in. It's Gary Parish on Friday, November 9, 2018. Welcome back to the Ion College Basketball Podcast. I got Matt Norlander here with me, and we are now three days into the college basketball season, but everybody is still talking about Duke's humiliation of Kentucky on Tuesday night. 118-84, that was the final score. Worst loss of John Calipari's career. Rick Pitino's 1996 title team at Kentucky did not beat Calipari this badly. Bill Self's 2018 title team at Kansas did not beat Calipari this badly. Rick Pitino's 2013 title team at Louisville didn't beat Calipari this badly. Michael Jordan's Bulls never beat Calipari this badly. So now people are saying Duke might go undefeated and Kentucky is a fraud. Now, what I wrote a couple of days ago is that, um, yeah, Duke, Duke looks great. Um, and Duke is, I think, great. But I, I think we probably just saw the best version of Duke and the worst version of Kentucky. Duke probably isn't as great as it looked Tuesday night. Kentucky probably isn't as bad as it looked Tuesday night. What say you, Matt Norland? Well, Parrish, I put out a poll on Twitter as I was making my way back home from Indianapolis and traveling on Wednesday. And I was curious as to what people would think about the Duke performance, you know, some hours removed from it because it was it was so dominant. And it's a weird thing because I think we mentioned this uh, in our overnight, middle of the night, 3 a.m. podcast. Um, Duke looked awesome, but I think R.J. Barrett will have a better game this season. I think Zion Williamson will have a better game this season. I think Cam Reddish will have a better game this season. I think Trey Jones will have a better game this season. So all four of those players, I don't think they had their single game highlight of the of the year. But collectively, what they put forth on the floor, I think will be their best game. And I, I put it out there. I said, Duke beat number two Kentucky by 34 points, handing Calipari the worst loss of his career. They scored their most points in two decades as a program Duke did and only had four turnovers. Will Duke have a better game this season or as a team – was that the peak? Was their was their debut as good as we will see them? Seventy two percent of people that voted in that poll on social media said they will not have a better game. I agree with them. Do you agree with them? I don't think they're going to beat another top five team by thirty four points. I mean, if that's the way we're judging it, I mean, I, I think what we saw the other night was historic. It was not unprecedented, but uh, nearly unprecedented. It was as good of a debut by a team. That, that you could ever see. It was as good of a debut as a freshman for RJ as, as you could ever see. Um, and it was, I think, the third most lopsided loss by a team in a game between two top five teams in the history of the AP poll. So I, I don't think they'll beat another top five team. Obviously, they won't play many. Uh, they might not play any. But I don't think they'll beat another top 10 team by 34 points. So by that measuring stick, that's as good as we're going to see. But obviously, it's it's November 9th. We're going to play till April. They'll, they'll get, they can get better, but still not do what they did to Kentucky to anybody else of relevance again. Yeah, I, I think they'll be entertaining. They're clearly on, on the fast track to being truly must-watch in all of basketball. Because uh, it's just because it's Duke, regardless of that. But... Um, because of the star power here, and I'm not surprised at the amount of attention and coverage given to Duke in wake of what it did on Tuesday night. This is the the perfect elixir, frankly, for maximum coverage for a team like that. I think Duke will become the most must-watch team in basketball, regardless of level, um, this season. Would you agree with that? Do you think Duke is more must-watch than the Golden State Warriors, more must-watch than LeBron James and the Lakers? Have the, Because of what they have here, and because you have discussion about whether Duke 
and I don't maybe this is because Jalen Rose works for ESPN. I don't know. I don't know why the Fab Five thing is like already a thing, but it, apparently it's going to be one. Um, but do you do you agree that uh, that Duke is now, or at least sets up to be in in pretty short order, the most must watch team in all of basketball? It's not an outlandish thing to say. Um, I'm not sure it's true because college basketball is not the NBA. The NBA is just just bigger and 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 to most people better. You know, and and the Warriors are the Warriors, and LeBron's the king. But it's not an outlandish thing to say, which is a pretty impressive thing for any college basketball team. Um, and, and by the way, like starting on Tuesday night, we made the arguments before why you start on Tuesday rather than Friday. You know, when you wake up on Saturday morning, it, game day's on. They're, they're talking about college football, and then on Sunday it's NFL, and then on Monday it's looking back at the NFL and college football. It's not looking back at Friday's college basketball games. It was always nonsensical. On Wednesday morning, before I left the hotel in Indianapolis, I turned on ESPN. Um, first take comes on, and they open on Duke. You know, they didn't open on the NFL. They didn't open on the NBA. They didn't open on LeBron. They opened on Duke. And that that's precisely why you start on Tuesday. And it's also a testament to exactly what you said. Like, Duke is going to be a major story uh, going forward. As for the Fab Five stuff, I'll say this. Um, you know, Jalen Rose, I, I guess the quote was Zion Williamson could, would not start for the Fab Five. That, that's ridiculous. Garbage. <laughs> it, it's, it's garbage. I mean, the Fab Five was great. They went to back-to-back championship games. But, you know, right now, Duke has four top 15 freshmen in the country and maybe three of the top three. That was not what the Fab Five was. The Fab Five was Chris Webber, Juwan Howard, Jalen Rose, and then two other dudes. And the two other dudes were good, but the two other dudes were just two other dudes. Um, and even if you like love Weber, Howard, Rose, and you should, they went first. You know, Weber went first in the 1993 NBA draft. Juwan Howard went fifth in the 1994 NBA draft. Jalen Rose went 13th in the 1994 NBA draft. You know, R.J. Barrett, Zion Williamson, and Cam Reddish are not going to go 1-5-13. and 13. They're going to go like 1-2-4. and four. Maybe 1-2-3. But certainly none of them, are, I, I wouldn't think any of them are going outside of the top 10. And by the way, that, that first Fab Five team, 1992, it went 25-9 and nine overall, 11-7 in the Big Ten, got a six seed in the NCAA tournament. And then it went to the championship game. But it was a six seed. Duke ain't going to be a six seed. So, like, the idea that the Fab Five is better than this Duke team seems a little silly, the first Fab Five team. And the idea that Zion Williamson couldn't play or start for Michigan, that's ridiculous, too. That, like, first and foremost, basketball players these days are bigger, stronger, faster, more skilled than basketball players were 25 years ago. And Zion's a freak. So, like, yeah, yeah, Zion would start for the Fab Five, and the Fab Five, I pro- you put that 1992 team, right now, on a court against the 2018-19 Duke team, and the Duke team right now would be favored and would probably beat them by double digits. Yeah, the argument for Fab Five is that it was going up against, and there is some validity to this argument, and I can't believe we're actually going into it. We did not plan on doing this. But you know what? Ha- let this be the podcast where we just address this. Hopefully this is not a thing for the next four months, 2018-19 Duke versus the freaking Fab Five. No thank you. Um well, there's an even more uh, annoying thing, and I'll bring that up in a second. All right, so th- 
one thing in favor of the Fab Five, and I do agree with this to an extent, is that it was doing that, and then years two and three, it got to the title game, going up against a lot of teams that were senior-laden, and, and within the context of the sport they were playing, what they did was pretty impressive, which I agree with. And I saw the stat. I wish I could cite where I saw it. I just can't remember. But 26 of the, what, 29 first-round picks the year uh the year that Weber came out I guess or sometime in the Fab 5 era they were all seniors coming out of college so you were going up against 21 year old grown men so what it was doing in that context was impressive Zion on that, on that on that I actually went and looked it up because the quote from Weber was you can't compare us to them because we were playing against seniors good seniors like when's the last time a senior went in the, you know they know senior going in the top 5 of next year's draft which is true by the way um, there were three four-year players who went in the top five of the 92 draft. That's when Michigan went 25-9, uh, got a six seed, lost to Duke in the championship game. Uh, Alonzo Mourning was a senior. He went second overall. Christian Leitner was a, singer, a uh, senior. He went third overall. Lafonso Ellis was a senior. He went fifth overall. And then in the 93 draft where Weber – where they were all sophomores and then Weber left, um, Weber went first. Um Sean Bradley went second, Penny went third, but Isaiah Ryder was a senior. He went fifth. So if you want to argue for them that you're exactly right, that's the place to start. They were playing against awesome 22-year-olds, whereas Duke's probably not going to have to. Right. So I, I get that. Um, but whatever. The Fab Five was awesome. That was, that was right when, Paris, you, you got a few years on me. Like You're like 13 years older than I am, of course. And uh, that Fab Five, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> the Fab Five was that was really when the, the UNLV teams are really my first true memory of, of starting to watch and like college basketball. And then the Fab Five is when I was just about all in on just I really like this. Um, and between you know being a huge Chicago Bulls fan, Michael Jordan fan, and then college troops. That's so I I have very good memories of how fun that team was to watch and how and by the way how little I saw it. Like back then, uh, who knows if this is even uh, something that someone could find and, and tweet at us, but. I would venture that the Fab Five wasn't on national television prior to the NCAA tournament because the Big Ten, I do not think, had a tournament back then. I would say maybe they were on national television four times, five times. So within all of that, I think it actually helps build up the legend because there were probably some games where they were just okay. You know, This is going to be an experience where Duke, where they're on national television, I think all but two times during the regular season. So all but two times this entire season because when they play in their postseason play, they're going to be on national television, of course. We are going to react and evaluate and, and just discuss and write about Duke consistently uh, throughout the season. And for those listening to this podcast – we might as well just address this as well. Like it, it's going to be a thing. We will absolutely talk about other stuff, but frankly, um, at this at this point, they're they're just outright riveting, and it's going to be an experience unto itself to track what this Duke team does this season. Um, I happen to think that they're they're due for a few come downs. Maybe we'll get to that on this podcast. Maybe we'll save that for another one because I think we'll manage time to squeeze in some more Duke talk next week. <laughs> but uh, but my overall point is. This team is fantastic, and I hate the um, I hate the knee-jerk reaction to take down these kids after one game just as much as I'm sure some people hate the knee-jerk reaction to how awesome they looked after game one. But there's no really no other way to react than the way that we have because that was a fantastic way to kick off the season, and they all exceeded the hype collectively from what we thought that they would show on the floor against Kentucky. The other thing that Weber said in addition to, you know, you can't compare us to them because – um, you know, we were playing against Bobby Hurley and Christian Leitner as opposed to other 18 and 19 year olds was 
he said like that people do this all the time. Like go back to that Kentucky team a few years ago. Everybody was calling the best team ever and saying they would have destroyed us. And he sort of mocked that. I don't know if that 2015 Kentucky team that, yeah, lost in the Final Four, but was 38-0 when it played Wisconsin in the Final Four. I don't know if they would have, quote, destroyed Michigan, but they were better than Michigan. They just were. They were the best team in the country that year. So, like, I, I don't know where this Fab Five stuff comes from. Like, the Fab Five was an, I, one of the most iconic group of, of college basketball players on the same team in history. Like, we remember the starting lineup, for crying out loud. Can you name the starting lineup right now for the Villanova team that won the championship three years ago? Uh, I think I can. I mean, you probably can because you're a nerd. <laughs> or or I actually cover the sport and I remember things that I have to write about. <laughs> That's... I cover the sport and don't remember things. Uh, Arch, Jenkins, Hart, Ochefu. I don't think Booth started... Uh, it was either Booth or Booth or Brunson. So yeah, I mean that's that was the team. But yeah, pretty good. Okay, okay. Let's play a game then. Okay, let's Syracuse two thousand three. Name it. Okay, uh, Craig Forth obviously immediately comes to mind. Warwick, Carmelo Anthony, McNamara, and I think it was um, oh, his brother played at Wisconsin. Uh, give me a second. Oh my gosh, his brother played at Wisconsin and had the same first name and last name. Oh, Parrish, you know what I'm talking about. Kuethdewaney, oh, Kuethdewaney. There we go. Are you serious right now? 2008 Kansas, go. Uh, that would have been Chalmers, Darrell Arthur. Um, uh, Chalmers, Arthur, Brandon Rush. Um, did Sharon Collins start for that team? You Do you? Yes, oh, of course. Okay. I can't tell you the fifth. I think I know the fifth. Okay. Was it Darnell Jackson? Darnell is Jackson, that, yes. Is that a real person? Or did Darnell I Jackson is absolutely a real person and a really good college player. I really sometimes – the Kansas teams, because they're good every year, I only remember that one because they, they made the title game and they were they were fantastic that season. Give me one, give me one more. Okay. Um, 2012 Kentucky's easy, so let's skip that. Ooh, 2013 Louisville. Okay, you know what? I th I think Luke Hancock came. So Luke Hancock was the mop, but I think he came off the. Hold on, no. Okay, if we're going in the title game, I guess he did start because he would have started, right? I think he would have started because Kevin Ware got injured. I think I remember Luke Hancock as a starter. Okay, so obviously uh, Hancock, Russ Smith, Peyton Siva. Um, uh, he's in the NBA now. Harrell. And then, give me a second. I know this. I know it. Hold on. Luke Hancock might have come off the bench. I'm looking at the roster now. Because I wrote about him. Like, he was the thing I wrote about when he won the mop. There's Shane Bahannon. Shane Bahannon was on that team. Shane Bahannon definitely started. Shane Bahannon is one of them, yes. Okay. I love this Louisville team. They got Shane, spelled C-H-A-N-E. And then they got Montrez with an L at the end of Montrez. Like, it looks like Montrezel. <laughs> yeah. I love this team. Plus, they got strippers all the time and stuff, you know? So, that was fun. Can we just have can, – can you name me the starting five last year, Villanova? No. Come on. Dude, I don't work – my mind doesn't work like that. I can't remember stuff like that. You know I mean, DiVincenzo. I mean, Jalen Bronson you know, yeah. and but Bridges and yep. Dante came off the bench. Correct. 
uh, E.P. Spellman Booth. Is that it? Correct. Yes. Yeah. You got that. See? But, like, um, I, I cannot remember things. Sometimes people will say something to me, and, I, and I'll be like, yeah, I don't know. And then I'll Google it, and it'll pop up like I was there. <laughs> I, have a, I have a column written from it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that now. I don't remember things like that. I, it's weird to me. You know who the, who the best is at that? Rostein. Like, you don't have to even do, like, 2008 Kansas. Oh, I know. You could be, like, 2008 LaSalle. <laughs> you just knock it out. No problem. Shout out to Craig Forth, by the way. And one reason I know uh, so much about the 03 Syracuse team is I was, I was dating uh, a girl who was attending Syracuse at the time. I was on that campus at least six or seven times that very season. Like, I remember – I was, You were trying to get it. <laughs> indeed. I remember seeing Mello between – the Sweet 16 weekend and the Final Four weekend, I went up and, and visited, and uh, he was he was a megastar at that point, to the point where saw him walking around on campus and obviously was pretending to talk on his phone so people didn't approach him. But uh, that was a that was a cool thing to uh, to kind of track in real time in person. But yes, anyway, Norlander was trying to get it on the Syracuse campus. Not only that, but I can pretty much guarantee you. Uh, the woman that I was dating is listening to this podcast right now. So How about she, that then? Shouts to her. What's her name? Shout her out. Her name is Aaron. So shout out to Aaron. Shout out to Aaron. Shout out to Billy Edlin. <laughs> Billy Edelin, but yes. And Edelin? E- Billy Edelin? Remember him? Of course. How about this? First ever game for me as the full-time University of Memphis beat writer for the Commercial Pill newspaper in Memphis, Tennessee. Memphis, Syracuse. At the Garden. At the Garden. Jeremy Hunt, balled out, outdueled Carmelo Anthony. But Carmelo also had a really good game. I remember, oh, he, oh, I, I remember awesome. that yeah. because it was it was the big game to open that season. It was Carmelo Syracuse got this the top two prospect in the class. He wound up playing really really well, and Memphis looked awesome. I remember that game. Yes. Right, Memphis beat him. Syracuse was unranked to start the season, and then and then and then lose the opener, and then of course go on to win the. Uh, Win the national championship. So, uh, anyway, shouts to Aaron. Shouts to you. Shouts to Billy Edlin. Shouts to Craig Forth. I love our little tangents. Anyway, what else should we talk about? <laughs> well, here's the, here's um, one other note I wanted to make. So, listen, the, these people acting like this Duke team doesn't compare to the five five or wouldn't beat the five five five. Like that's ridiculous. They 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 they're certainly on the same level, and I would actually put them above. I think you put Duke, this Duke team, on a court tomorrow against the Fab Five as freshmen. And the Fab Five as freshmen would take an L just like they did um, seven different times in the Big Ten when they were freshmen. Um, on the other hand, stop it with the idea that Duke would beat an NBA team because that stuff's already starting out too. I, do, um, I refuse to perish. I refuse to give that actual airtime on this podcast. I'm just – it, it's – Dude, it's, it, Paul Pierce said it on national television. On national television, Paul Pierce said this Duke team would beat the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Cleveland Cavaliers have Kevin Love, Jordan Clarkson, George Hill, Rodney Hood, Colin Sexton, Tristan Thompson, Larry Nance, J.R. Smith, Sam Decker, Kyle Korver. Like, whatever. Let me just stop you right here. If you are the type of person who tweets this, who says this, who texts it to your buddy, let me help you right now. There is no college football team, even Tua in the Crimson Tide, that could beat an NFL team. And there is no college basketball team, even RJ and Zions, that could beat even the worst NBA team under 
any circumstances. It is a silly, stupid argument every time. And I apologize to Paul Pierce for calling him silly and stupid, or at least his argument, but it's just nonsensical. There is no co- like That Duke team was awesome the other night. That Duke team would lose by 20 to the Cleveland Cavaliers right now. Easy. You said 40? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, whatever. Whatever you wanted it to be. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 you, you named the score. It could be whatever you wanted it to be. And so, like, I, 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 we're not going to spend any time on it. Like, the conversation's over right now. But um, it's out there. People are now saying that. And it would be one thing if it was just some maniac on Twitter. But it's like Paul Pierce, who has a big voice on a, on a big stage. And for him to trot that out, that is just crazy. You're talking about grown men um, against teenagers. It, it would not be a game. And by the way, like no matter what you think of Cleveland's roster, let me tell you what they have. A roster full of NBA players. Duke doesn't have that. How many NBA players did Duke have? Four? Yeah, maybe five. Four, maybe five. They, 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 Cleveland's got 15. So, yeah, the, any and every NBA team has, has that many. Every NBA team, by definition, has a roster full of NBA players. No college team ever has had that. NBA, the worst NBA team beats the best college team um, every time by a, whatever score they want to. The FBI it's been reported, is now allowing the NCAA to investigate and punish however it sees fit. How big of a development is this? I don't know, Parrish. Here's my one thought on it. Um, that's why people come to the podcast, so so you can say you don't know. Correct. Uh, I think I'm on a streak of three of the past four. You asked me a question, you're responding, <laughs> I don't know. But I do have a thought on this. Um, so Yahoo broke the news, actually broke the news... Between games at the Champions Classic, because frankly, I was having uh, a conversation with Bill Self when this broke, and I didn't—I was unaware of it. Otherwise, I would have asked him about it. Frankly, um, and then ESPN followed up and confirmed that news. But just because the FBI has, uh, you know, given its blessing to the NCAA to start some investigations based upon the schools implicated in the first of three trials. In my estimation, that does not mean that there is going to be real movement that happens right now. And if there is, I would advise against the NCAA against doing this. And here's why. We right now are still scheduled to have trial number two and trial number three. And particularly in trial number three, which involves former NCAA assistant coaches Book Richardson of Arizona, Lamont Evans of Oklahoma State, and Tony Bland of USC, there very well could be evidence brought forth that contradicts things that were found in trial number one or makes things even worse. And so if you're the NCAA and you're going to start doing this, like go ahead, put some boots on the ground. Uh, if you want to start you know, assembling reports and all that, I think there's nothing wrong with that. But I would caution them against really going in aggressively and trying to to use what was uh, said under oath and, and entered into evidence parish because you don't want to put yourself in a situation where you might try and adjudicate those schools before the other two trials finish because you could wind up having conflicting information and then you're really going to look terrible if you're the NCAA. So I was a little surprised the FBI did this uh, and the Justice Department did this, but I would think that the NCAA is going to be smart here and not actually really get into the thick of this until all three are wrapped up because otherwise you're at, you're asking for trouble um, if you're going to take everything that was said in the first trial as gospel and then potentially put yourself in the crosshairs with what comes out uh, in February or April in trials two or three.
Yeah, I, I don't think this is going to have any impact on this college basketball season. Um, there will be a reckoning for um, some of the programs that have been brought into this, uh, specifically Louisville, uh, Kansas, and I think probably Maryland as well. Um, but I don't think that's coming tomorrow or next week or next month, and and perhaps not even in the 2019 calendar year. But I, I don't think it's going to have any impact on the on this college basketball season. These programs will pay a price for what they allegedly did someday, but I don't think they're going to have to pay that price anytime soon. Yeah, I think that's that's probably the case. We'll monitor this as this goes along, but that was a that was a headline worth just at least touching on. Uh, I don't know if we'll get any real updates on this. Obviously, the NCAA does not comment on cases as they were ongoing, so we will just have to wait and see or see um, if word comes out from any of these schools about how advanced any of the investigations might be uh, might be moving along. Parrish, you're in New York right now uh, True. because we have the Veterans Classic, which happens every year, obviously, and it's an awesome event. Um, couple games on CBS Sports Network on Friday night. I know many of you are listening to this podcast well in advance of those. Uh, the first one's really intriguing because it's Providence against Wichita State. And the Shockers took a really bad season opening loss. Now, we expected them to take a step back. Let's see how they do in game two here. They lose at home by 13 to Louisiana Tech on Tuesday. And now they get a Providence team that looks very, very good from, from the onset here. I think the Friars will be an NCAA tournament team this season. You had A.J. Reeves, a freshman. Uh, he hit 7-3 pointers in the in the Friars debut at home against Siena on Tuesday night so that's the first of the two games and then the second of the two games with the veteran sports classic is Maryland at Navy Navy of course hosts this every single season Maryland we believe will be an NCAA tournament team this year um, would recommend tuning in for both of these games uh, you know Anthony Cowan I think he's worth the watch overall. So those are the two on CBS Sports Network to watch. I'll let Paris comment on those. And I will also say this. The best game of the night is probably Washington at Auburn. Um, those are two teams that really have the potential to be top 25 quality. Uh, it really probably is the best game of the weekend. The Huskies won at home over Western Kentucky on opening night. And now Auburn gets a good shot at home to get a really quality win. If they don't, and Washington gets a big win, obviously that'll, uh, that'll age quite well. So those are three to keep an eye on Friday. Yeah, looking forward to seeing Maryland. Um, Anthony Cowan is is uh, very good. Bruno Fernando, I, I think, has a chance to be one of the breakthrough players in college basketball this year. And then their freshman, you know, the the five star big Jalen Smith was really good in the season opener. That's a team that is unranked right now in the AP poll, but I have them like twenty two or twenty three in the top twenty five and one. They're somewhere in the twenties. Um, so I I I've been high on Maryland since the preseason, but um, it's especially encouraging that they got a big performance from their freshman five star in 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 the opening game because that suggests now um, you got a real um, you know you, you you go experience Anthony Cowan, experience Bruno Fernando, and then throw a five star in there with them. You know maybe 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 Maryland's got something where they can compete at the top of the Big Ten, presumably uh, with Michigan State. And then you're exactly right about Wichita State, like uh, tough loss at home to Louisiana Tech. I think it was by double digits. And it's a real problem for the AAC um, because you've got two high-profile programs that did not get off to good starts. Cincinnati lost at home to Ohio State. That didn't sound bad, and it might not be bad, but Ohio State was picked ninth in the Big Ten, and they just went to Cincinnati and knocked off the Bearcats, and then Wichita State loses at home to Louisiana Tech. And... Um, 
you know, Connecticut is with a first-year coach transitioning back to what it ought to be. Memphis with a first-year coach transitioning back to what it ought to be. And I think UConn and Memphis are going to be great soon, but I don't know if they're great now. At, at this moment, there's not a single top 40 team, according to Ken Palm, in the AAC. So that's sort of a, that, that's sort of an issue for that league. But, um, you know, I've talked about this on my radio show. It might be not the worst thing for Memphis because people are super stoked for, for Penny's first team. Um, and, and they've got the AAC tournament inside FedEx Forum where they'll draw 18,000. And so they'll have a real home court advantage. And maybe if um, if there's not a truly great team, then then maybe Penny could like win three games um, in March and, and get this team to the NCAA tournament in his first year. Um, the game tonight uh, late is terrific. It's Auburn-Washington. It's two top 25 teams. Um, I looked at the number on it. What Have you seen the point spread on it? No, but let's, uh, let's do a little guess the point spread. I would say... Um, I'll say Auburn minus four and a half. You see, this is wild because it felt off to me too. Um, but it is Auburn minus ten and a half. What the hell? <laughs> what? Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It's Auburn minus ten and a half. What? It's a big number, right? This is a game you just don't gamble on. Like that is such an absurd number. That you know something weird's going on. You just stay away from it because why wouldn't you take Washington to cover ten and a hook on the road? What are you are you are you suggesting? Austin Wiley's family is taking more money. No. <laughs> what, are you, what are you saying? No, I'm saying that this is that Parish ten and a like half. Suggesting Austin Wiley's family has taken more money, and now Auburn is going to throw a game tonight against the Washington Huskies. You're not suggesting that. No, you actually are the ones that you're the one that said those words. So let's just you know make it perfectly clear. No, I'm not suggesting that whatsoever. But that is a really, really weird line. It's so big that you're like, of course I'm going to take Washington to cover. What if one of the Washington players' families taking money, and now they're going to throw the game, and Auburn's going to win by 14. You're getting as conspiratorial as some of our listeners, which is never the path you want to take, my friend. I, I, I don't mean any of this. I don't think anybody's family's taking anything. <laughs> what I do mean is that when I saw that number, I was like, that seems like a big number um, for the first Friday night of the college basketball season in a game between two teams that are both ranked, Auburn 11th, Washington 25th. It just felt like a big number, although in fairness, like Ken Palm's got it at like nine. So maybe it's not that big. Whatever. We'll see. We will. I think Washington potentially will wind up being a better defensive team than Auburn. That's why I think it'll actually be close. I think this will be an entertaining but not necessarily exceptionally high-scoring game. But that's the one, you know, it's a Friday night. If you're around, I would I would make the time to watch that. We'll do another podcast, obviously. I think planning Sunday for Monday. But the only two other ones to keep an eye on this weekend, uh, the best game of Saturday is Rick Bird and those Belmont Bruins hosting Illinois State. Those just could prove to be two of the top six to seven teams from one mid leagues, mid-major leagues this season. Um, Illinois State, who I happen to think is the best team in the Missouri Valley, if they can steal one on the road, which is not obviously going to be easy, I think Belmont will win, but that would go a long way to helping their resume. And then on Sunday, it's intriguing because you have three potential first-round draft picks playing uh, in our true road environment, two of them in the road environment, and that's Vanderbilt at USC. That's a 9 o'clock game on Sunday night. So, hell, I mean, I don't know when our next podcast is going to get recorded. We're going to see how our weekend shake out, but we might end up uh, literally recording, be recording that episode as that game is happening. But Darius Garland, Simi Sola Shitu for Vanderbilt. A lot of 
hope and promise at Vandy this season. I don't know if that's a tournament team, but we're going to find out at least a little bit something at home against a USC team that hopes it can break into the tournament. Those are fringe groups this season, and so that's uh, that's by far the best game that's uh, that's up to watch on Sunday night. I'm glad this podcast met its standards. I mentioned Memphis. You mentioned Rick Burr. We did what we were here to do. You know it, absolutely, 100%. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry M.F. and Teagle. He's the legend. Shouts to Larnell. Remember, please go subscribe to the Island College Basketball Podcast via Apple Podcasts. You should have done it by now, honestly. If you haven't done it by now, you should have done it by now. But if you haven't done it by now, go do it right now. Rate it favorably. Five stars with nice comments. That's all we've ever asked from you. We're going to talk to you again on Sunday night. Till then. Till then.